section twenty eight of library of the world's best literature ancient and modern volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 4, Section 28. Selected Excerpts by Francis Beaumont and John Fletcher. The Faithful Shepherdess by Fletcher. Clorin, a shepherdess, watching by the grave of her lover, is found by a satyr. Clorin. Hail, holy earth, whose cold arms do embrace the truest man that ever fed his flocks by the fat plains of fruitful Thessaly. Thus I salute thy grave, thus do I pay my early vows and tribute of mine eyes to thy still loved ashes thus i free myself from all ensuing heats and fires of love all sports delights and jolly games that shepherds hold full dear thus put i off now no more shall these smooth brows be begirt with youthful coronals and lead the dance no more the company of fresh fair maids and wanton shepherds be to me delightful nor the shrill pleasing sound of merry pipes under some shady dell when the cool wind plays on the leaves all be far away since thou art far away by whose dear side how often have i sat crowned with fresh flowers for summer's queen whilst every shepherd's boy puts on his lusty green with gaudy hook and hanging script of finest cordovan but thou art gone and these are gone with thee and all are dead but thy dear memory that shall outlive thee and shall ever spring whilst there are pipes or jolly shepherds sing and here will i in honour of thy love dwell by thy grave forgetting all those joys that former times made precious to mine eyes only remembering what my youth did gain in the dark hidden virtuous use of herbs that will i practice and as freely give all my endeavours as i gained them free of all green wounds i know the remedies in men or cattle be they stung with snakes or charmed with powerful words of wicked art or be they lovesick or through too much heat grown wild or lunatic their eyes or ears thickened with misty film of dulling room these i can cure 
such secret virtue lies in herbs applied by a virgin's hand my meat shall be what these wild woods afford berries and chestnuts plantains on whose cheeks the sun sits smiling and the lofty fruit pulled from the fair head of the straight-grown pine on these i'll feed with free content and rest when night shall blind the world by thy side blessed a satyr enters satyr through yon same bending plain that flings his arms down to the main and through these thick woods have i run whose bottom never kissed the sun since the lusty spring began all to please my master pan have i trotted without rest to get him fruit for at a feast he entertains this coming night his paramour the syrinx bright but behold a fairer sight by that heavenly form of thine brightest fair thou art divine sprung from great immortal race of the gods for in thy face shines more awful majesty than dull weak mortality dare with misty eyes behold and live therefore on this mould lowly do i bend my knee in worship of thy deity deign it goddess from my hand to receive whate'er this land from her fertile womb doth send of her choice fruits and but lend belief to that the satyr tells fairer by the famous wells to this present day ne'er grew never better nor more true here be grapes whose lusty blood is the learned poet's good sweeter yet did never crown the head of bacchus nuts more brown than the squirrel's teeth that crack them deign o fairest fair to take them for these black-eyed dryope hath oftentimes commanded me with my clasped knee to climb see how well the lusty time hath decked their rising cheeks in red such as on your lips is spread here be berries for a queen some be red some be green these are of that luscious meat the great god pan himself doth eat all these and what the woods can yield the hanging mountain or the field i freely offer and ere long will bring you more more sweet and strong till when humbly leave i take lest the great pan do awake that sleeping lies in a deep glade under a broad beech's shade i must go i must run swifter than the fiery sun Clorin and all my fears go with thee what greatness or what private hidden power is there in me to draw submission from this rude man and beast sure i am mortal the daughter of a shepherd he was mortal 
and she that bore me mortal prick my hand and it will bleed a fever shakes me and the self-same wind that makes the young lambs shrink makes me a cold my fear says i am mortal yet i have heard my mother told it me and now i do believe it if i keep my virgin flower uncropped pure chaste and fair no goblin wood god fairy elf or fiend satyr or other power that haunts the groves shall hurt my body or by vain illusion draw me to wander after idle fires or voices calling me in dead of night to make me follow and so toll me on through mire and standing pools to find my ruin else why should this rough thing who never knew manners nor smooth humanity whose heats are rougher than himself and more misshapen thus mildly kneel to me sure there's a power in that great name of virgin that binds fast all rude uncivil bloods all appetites that break their confines then strong chastity be thou my strongest guard for here i'll dwell in opposition against fate and hell song care charming sleep thou easer of all woes brother to death sweetly thyself dispose on this afflicted prince fall like a cloud in gentle showers give nothing that is loud or painful to his slumbers easy light and as a purling stream thou son of night pass by his troubled senses sing his pain like hollow murmuring wind or silver rain into this prince gently oh gently slide and kiss him into slumbers like a bride song god laeus ever young ever honoured ever sung stained with blood of lusty grapes in a thousand lusty shapes dance upon the mazer's brim in the crimson liquor swim from thy plenteous hand divine let a river run with wine god of youth let this day here enter neither care nor fear aspasia's song lay a garland on my hearse of the dismal yew maidens willow branches bear say i died true my love was false but i was firm from my hour of birth upon my buried body lie lightly gentle earth leandro's song by fletcher dearest do not you delay me since thou know'st i must be gone wind and tide 
tis thought doth stay me but tis wind that must be blown from that breath whose native smell indian odours far excel o then speak thou fairest fair kill not him that vows to serve thee but perfume this neighbouring air else dull silence sure will starve me tis a word that's quickly spoken which being restrained a heart is broken true beauty may i find a woman fair and her mind as clear as air if her beauty go alone tis to me as if twere none may i find a woman rich and not of too high a pitch if that pride should cause disdain tell me lover where's thy gain may i find a woman wise and her falsehood not disguise hath she wit as she hath will double-armed she is to ill may i find a woman kind and not wavering like the wind how should i call that love mine when tis his and his and thine may i find a woman true there is beauty's fairest hue there is beauty love and wit happy he can compass it Ode to Melancholy by Fletcher Hence all you vain delights, as short as are the nights, wherein you spend your folly. There's naught in this life sweet, if man were wise to see it, but only melancholy, O oh, sweetest melancholy. Welcome folded arms and fixed eyes, a sigh that piercing mortifies a look that's fastened to the ground a tongue chained up without a sound fountain heads and pathless groves places which pale passion loves moonlight walks when all the fowls are warmly housed save bats and owls a midnight bell a parting groan these are the sounds we feed upon, then stretch our bones in a still gloomy valley. Nothing's so dainty sweet as lovely melancholy. To my dear friend, Master Benjamin Johnson, Upon His Fox by Beaumont if it might stand with justice to allow the swift conversion of all follies now such is my mercy that i could admit all sorts should equally approve the wit of this thy even work whose growing fame shall raise thee high and thou it with thy name and did not manners and my love command me to forbear to make those understand whom thou perhaps hast in thy wiser doom long since firmly resolved shall never come 
to know more than they do, I would have shown to all the world the art which thou alone hast taught our tongue, the rules of time, of place, and other rites delivered with the grace of comic style which only is fat more than any English stage hath known before. But since our subtle gallants think it good, to like of naught that may be understood, lest they should be disproved, or have, at best, stomachs so raw that nothing can digest but what's obscene or barks, let us desire they may continue simply to admire fine clothes and strange words, and may live in age to see themselves ill brought upon the stage, and like it, whilst thy bold and knowing muse contemns all praise but such as thou wouldst choose. On the Tombs in Westminster by Beaumont. Mortality, behold, and fear, what a change of flesh is here! Think how many royal bones sleep within this heap of stones. Here they lie had realms and lands who now want strength to stir their hands. Where from their pulpits, soiled with dust, they preach in greatness is no trust. Here's an acre sown indeed with the richest royalst seed that the earth did e'er suck in since the first man died for sin. Here the bones of birth have cried, though gods they were, as men they died. Here are sands, ignoble things, dropped from the ruined sides of kings. Here's a world of pomp and state, buried in dust, once dead by fate. From Philaster, or Love Lies a-Bleeding Arethusia's Declaration Lady, here is my lord Philaster. Arethusia Oh, tis well, withdraw yourself. Exit Lady Philaster Madam, your messenger made me believe you wished to speak with me. Arethusia Tis true, Philaster, but the words are such I have to say, and do so ill beseem the mouth of woman, that I wish them said, and yet am loath to speak them. Have you known that I have aught detracted from your worth? Have I in person wronged you, or have set my baser instruments to throw disgrace upon your virtues? Philaster. Never, madam, you. Arethusia. Why then should you, in such a public place, injure a princess, and a scandal lay upon my fortunes, famed to be so great, calling a great part of my dowry in question? Philaster. 
madam this truth which i shall speak will be foolish but for your fair and virtuous self i could afford myself to have no right to anything you wished arethusia philaster no i must enjoy these kingdoms philaster madam both arethusia both or i die by fate i die philaster if i not calmly may enjoy them both philaster i would do much to save that noble life yet would be loath to have posterity find in our stories that philaster gave his right unto a sceptre and a crown to save a lady's longing arethusia nay then here i must and will have them and more philaster what more arethusia or lose that little life the gods prepared to trouble this poor piece of earth withal philaster madam what more arethusia turn then away thy face philaster no arethusia do philaster i can endure it turn away my face i never yet saw enemy that looked so dreadfully but that i thought myself as great a basilisk as he or spake so horribly but that i thought my tongue bore thunder underneath as much as his nor beast that i could turn from shall i then begin to fear sweet sounds a lady's voice whom i do love say you would have my life why i will give it you for tis to me a thing so loathed and unto you that ask of so poor use that i shall make no price if you entreat i will unmovedly hear arethusia yet for my sake a little bend thy looks philaster i do arethusia then no i must have them and thee philaster and me arethusia thy love without which all the land discovered yet will serve me for no use but to be buried in philaster is't possible arethusia with it it were too little to bestow on thee now though thy breath do strike me dead which no it may i have unripped my breast philaster madam you are too full of noble thoughts to lay a train for this contemned life which you may have for asking to suspect were base where i deserve no ill love you by all my hopes i do above my life but how this passion should proceed from you so violently would amaze a man that 
would be jealous. Arethusia. Another soul into my body shot could not have filled me with more strength and spirit than this thy breath, but spend not hasty time in seeking how I came thus. Tis the gods, the gods that make me so, and sure our love will be the nobler and the better blessed, in that the secret justice of the gods is mingled with it. Let us leave and kiss, lest some unwelcome guest should fall betwixt us, and we should part without it. Philaster. Twill be ill I should abide here long. Arethusia. Tis true, and worse you should come often, how shall we devise to hold intelligence that our true loves on any new occasion may agree what path is best to tread? Philaster. I have a boy, sent by the gods, I hope, to this intent, yet not seen in the court, hunting the buck, I found him sitting by a fountain's side, of which he borrowed some to quench his thirst, and paid the nymph again as much in tears. A garland lay him by, made by himself, of many several flowers bred in the vale, stuck in that mystic order that the rareness delighted me. But ever when he turned his tender eyes upon him he would weep, as if he meant to make em grow again. Seeing such pretty helpless innocence dwell in his face, I asked him all his story. He told me that his parents gentle died, leaving him to the mercy of the fields, which gave him roots, and of the crystal springs, which did not stop their courses, and the sun, which still he thanked him, yielded him his light. Then took he up his garland, and did show what every flower, as country people hold, did signify, and how all, ordered thus, expressed his grief, and to my thoughts did read the prettiest lecture of his country art that could be wished, so that methought I could have studied it. I gladly entertained him who was glad to follow, and have got the trustiest lovingst and the gentlest boy that ever master kept. Him will I send to wait on you and bear our hidden love. The Story of Bellario Philaster But, Bellario, for I must call thee still so, tell me why thou didst conceal thy sex. It was a fault, a fault, Bellario, though thy other deeds of truth outweighed it, all these jealousies had flown to nothing, if thou hadst discovered what now we know. Bellario my father oft would speak your worth and virtue, and as I did grow more and more apprehensive, I did thirst to see the man so praised. But yet all this was but a maiden longing, 
to be lost as soon as found till sitting in my window printing my thoughts in lawn i saw a god i thought but it was you enter our gates my blood flew out and back again as fast as i had puffed it forth and sucked it in like breath then was i called away in haste to entertain you never was a man heaved from a sheep-coat to a sceptre raised so high in thoughts as i you left a kiss upon these lips then which i mean to keep from you for ever i did hear you talk far above singing after you were gone i grew acquainted with my heart and searched what stirred it so alas i found it love yet far from lust for could i but have lived in presence of you i had had my end for this i did delude my noble father with a feigned pilgrimage and dressed myself in habit of a boy and for i knew my birth no match for you i was past hope of having you and understanding well that when i made discovery of my sex i could not stay with you i made a vow by all the most religious things a maid could call together never to be known whilst there was hope to hide me from men's eyes for other than i seemed that i might ever abide with you then sat i by the fount where first you took me up king search out a match within our kingdom where and when thou wilt and i will pay thy dowry and thyself wilt well deserve him bellario never sir will i marry it is a thing within my vow but if i may have leave to serve the princess to see the virtues of her lord and her i shall have hope to live arethusia i philaster cannot be jealous though you had a lady dressed like a page to serve you nor will i suspect her living here come live with me live free as i do she that loves my lord cursed be the wife that hates her from the maid's tragedy confession of evadne to a mentor evadne would i could say so farewell to my black disgrace oh where have i been all this time how friended that i should lose myself thus desperately and none for pity show me how i wandered there is not in the compass of the light a more unhappy creature sure i am monstrous for i have done those follies those mad mischiefs would dare a woman o oh, my loden soul be not so cruel to me choke not up the way to my repentance enter a mentor o oh, my lord 
Amentor. How now? Evadne. My much abused lord. Kneels. Amentor. This cannot be. Evadne. I do not kneel to live. I dare not hope it. The wrongs I did are greater. Look upon me, though I appear with all my faults. Amintor. Stand up. This is a new way to beget more sorrows. Heaven knows I have too many. Do not mock me. Though I am tame and bred up with my wrongs, which are my foster brothers, I may leap like a hand-wolf into my natural wildness, and do an outrage, prithee, do not mock me. Evadne My whole life is so leprous, it infects all my repentance. I would buy your pardon, though at the highest set, even with my life. That slight contrition, that's no sacrifice, for what I have committed. Amintor. Sure, I dazzle. There cannot be a faith in that foul woman that knows no god more mighty than her mischiefs. Thou dost still worse, still number on thy faults, to press my poor heart thus. Can I believe there's any seed of virtue in that woman left to shoot up that dares go on in sin, known, and so known as thine is. O Evadne, would there were any safety in thy sex, that I might put a thousand sorrows off, and credit thy repentance. But I must not. Thou hast brought me to that dull calamity, to that strange misbelief of all the world, and all things that are in it, that I fear I shall fall like a tree and find my grave, only remembering that I grieve. Evadne, my lord, give me your griefs, you are an innocent, a soul as white as heaven, let not my sins perish your noble youth. I do not fall here to shadow by dissembling with my tears, as all say women can, or to make less what my hot will hath done, which heaven and you know to be tougher than the hand of time can cut from men's remembrances. No, I do not. I do appear the same, the same Evadne, dressed in the shames I lived in, the same monster, but these are the names of honour to what I am. I do present myself the foulest creature, most poisonous, dangerous, and despised of men, Lerna ere bred, or Nilus. I am hell, till you, my dear lord, shoot your light into me, the beams of your forgiveness. I am soul-sick, and wither with the fear of one condemned, till I have got your pardon. Amintor. Rise, Evadne, those heavenly powers that put this good into thee, grant a continuance of it. 
I forgive thee. Make thyself worthy of it, and take heed. Take heed, Evadne, this be serious. Mock not the powers above that can and dare give thee a great example of their justice to all ensuing ages, if thou playest with thy repentance the best sacrifice. Evadne I have done nothing good to win belief. My life hath been so faithless. All the creatures made for heaven's honours have their ends, and good ones, all but the cozening crocodiles, false women. They reign here like those plagues, those killing sores men pray against, and when they die, like tales ill-told and unbelieved, they pass away, and go to dust forgotten. But, my lord, those short days I shall number to my rest, as many must not see me, shall, though too late, though in my evening yet perceive a will, since I can do no good, because a woman, reach constantly at something that is near it. I will redeem one minute of my age, or, like another Niobe, I'll weep till I am water. A mentor. I am now dissolved. My frozen soul melts. May each sin thou hast find a new mercy. Rise, I am at peace. Evadne rises. Hadst thou been thus, thus excellently good, before that devil-king tempted thy frailty, sure thou hadst made a star. Give me thy hand. From this time I will know thee, and as far as honour gives me leave, be thy a mentor. When we meet next, I will salute thee fairly, and pray the gods to give thee happy days. My charity shall go along with thee, though my embraces must be far from thee. I should have killed thee, but this sweet repentance locks up my vengeance, for which thus I kiss thee. Kisses her. The last kiss we must take, and would to heaven the holy priest that gave our hands together had given us equal virtues. Go, Evadne, the gods thus part our bodies. Have a care, my honour falls no farther. I am well then. Evadne All the dear joys here and above hereafter crown thy fair soul thus i take leave my lord and never shall you see the foul evadne till she have tried all honoured means that may set her in rest and wash her stains away from bonduca the death of the boy hengo scene a field between the British and the Roman camps. Karatak. How does my boy? Hengo. I would do well, my heart's well, 
I do not fear. Karatak. My good boy. Hengo. I know, uncle. We must all die. My little brother died. I saw him die, and he died smiling. Sure, there's no great pain in't, uncle, but pray tell me. Whither must we go when we are dead? Karatak, aside. Strange questions. Why the blessedest place, boy, ever sweetness and happiness dwell there? Hengo, will you come to me? Karatak, yes, my sweet boy. Hengo, mine aunt, too, and my cousins. Karatak, all, my good child. Hengo, no Romans, uncle? Karatak, no, boy. Hengo, I should be loath to meet them there. Karatach, no ill men that live by violence and strong oppression come thither. Tis for those the gods love, good men. Hengo, why then I care not when I go, for surely I am persuaded they love me. I never blasphemed him, uncle, nor transgressed my parents. I always said my prayers. Karatach. Thou shalt go, then. Indeed, thou shalt. Hengo. When they please. Karatach. That's my good boy. Art thou not weary, Hengo? Hengo. Weary, uncle. I have heard you say you have marched all day in armor. Karatach. I have, boy. Hengo, am I not your kinsman? Karatach, yes. Hengo, and am I not as fully allied unto you in those brave things as blood? Karatach, thou art too tender. Hengo, to go upon my legs, they were made to bear me. I can play twenty miles a day, I see no reason but to preserve my country and myself, I should march forty. Karatach, what wouldst thou be living to wear a man's strength? Hengo, why a Karatach, a Roman hater, a scourge sent from heaven, to whip these proud thieves from our kingdom? Hark! drum within they are on a rock in the rear of a wood karatach courage my boy i have found meat look hengo look where some blessed briton to preserve thee has hung a little food and drink cheer up boy do not forsake me now hengo oh uncle uncle I feel I cannot stay long, yet I'll fetch it to keep your noble life. Uncle, I am heart whole, and would live. Karatach, thou shalt long, I hope. Hengo, but my head, uncle, 
methinks the rock goes round enter masser and judas and remain at the side of the stage masser mark em well judas judas peace as you love your life hengo do not you hear the noise of bells Karata. of bells boy tis thy fancy alas thy body's full of wind hengo methinks sir they ring a strange sad knell a preparation to some near funeral of state nay weep not mine own sweet uncle you will kill me sooner Karatach. oh my poor chicken hengo fie faint-hearted uncle come tie me in your belt and let me down Karatach. i'll go myself boy hengo no as you love me uncle i will not eat it if i do not fetch it the danger only i desire pray tie me Karatach. i will and all my care hang o'er thee come child my valiant child hengo let me down apace uncle and you shall see how like a daw i'll whip it from all their policies for tis most certain a roman train and you must hold me sure too you'll spoil all else when i have brought it uncle will be as merry Karatach. go in the name of heaven boy let's hengo down by his belt hengo quick quick uncle i have it judas shoots hengo with an arrow oh Karatach. what ailst thou hengo oh my best uncle i am slain Karatach, to judas i see you and heaven direct my hand destruction go with thy coward soul kills judas with a stone and then draws up hengo exit masser how dost thou boy o oh, villain pocky villain hengo oh uncle uncle oh how it pricks me am i preserved for this extremely pricks me Karatach. coward rascal coward dogs eat thy flesh hengo oh i bleed hard i faint too out upon't how sick i am the lean rogue uncle Karatach. look boy i have laid him sure enough hengo have you knocked his brains out Karatach. i warrant thee for stirring more cheer up child hengo hold my sides hard stop stop o wretched fortune must we part thus still i grow sicker uncle Karatach. heaven look upon this noble child 
Hengo. I once hoped I should have lived to have met these bloody Romans at my sword's point, to have revenged my father, to have beaten them. Oh, hold me hard, but, uncle. Caratach, thou shalt live still, I hope, boy. Shall I draw it? Hengo. You draw away my soul, then. I would live a little longer. Spare me, heavens, but only to thank you for your tender love. Good uncle, good noble uncle, weep not. Caratach. Oh, my chicken, my dear boy, what shall I lose? Hengo. Why, a child, that must have died, however, had this scaped me, fever or famine, I was born to die, sir. Caratach. But thus unblown, my boy? Hengo. I go the straighter, my journey to the gods. Sure I shall know you when you come, uncle. Caratach. Yes, boy. Hengo. And I hope we shall enjoy together that great blessedness you told me of. Caratach. Most certain, child. Hengo. I grow cold. Mine eyes are going. Caratach. Lift em up. Hengo. Pray for me. And, noble uncle, when my bones are ashes, think of your little nephew. Mercy. Caratach. Mercy, you blessed angels, take him. Hengo. Kiss me, so. Farewell, farewell. Dies. Caratach. Farewell, the hopes of Britain. Thou royal graft, farewell forever. Time and death, ye have done your worst. Fortune now see now proudly pluck off thy veil and view thy triumph look look what thou hast brought this land to o oh, fair flower how lovely yet thy ruins show how sweetly even death embraces thee the peace of heaven the fellowship of all great souls be with thee from the Two Noble Kinsmen by Shakespeare and Fletcher Roses, their sharp spines being gone, Not royal in their smells alone, But in their hue. Maiden pinks of odour faint, Daisies smell less yet most quaint, And sweet time true. Primrose, first-born child of Ver, Merry springtime's harbinger, With her bells dim, Oxlips in their cradles growing, Marigolds on deathbeds blowing, Larks' heels trim. All dear nature's children sweet Lie for bride and bridegroom's feet, Blessing their sense. Not an angel of the air, bird melodious or bird fair, 
be absent hence the crow the slanderous cuckoo nor the boding raven nor chuff hoar nor chattering pie may on our bride house perch or sing or with them any discord bring but from it fly End of section 28